0: Welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church, Accra, and now, the message.
1: Welcome to the ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, a Church of the Ghana Baptist Convention, a multi-site church. This is Pastor Fred Deby. Thank you for making time to join us as we continue our study in the book of Luke. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you, we honor you, because of who you are to us, the Lord, the King, the Messiah, the Teacher, the Healer, the Deliverer, oh, the one who means a lot, who wants us to know you, and to love you, and to serve you, that we may have the abundant life that you promise us. Bless this time as we read and share your word. Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you once again for making time to join me. This is Pastor Fred Digby, bringing you a teaching from the Word of God. Last week, we looked at life questions, part one. And today, we'll continue part two. As I said last week, if you were with us, we'll be studying from Luke chapter 10, from verses 25 to 37. We said, a lawyer came to Jesus or a scribe came to Jesus and asked what we may call the supreme question of life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, because as an educated person, as somebody whose mind works, just like you listening to me, you get the feeling that this world cannot be the end of life, that there must be a better world than this world where there'll be justice, where there'll be hope forever, where you live with God, where you live at peace with your neighbors and your environment, where the pollution, the sickness, and the depravity of this world will end. But how does one get there? And that is an important question. You see, so this man, a thinking man, came to ask Jesus the question. And it's important to know that Matthew also records this, Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Luke records it. Mark also records it, Mark 12, 28 to 34. But Let me read the Luke, topping up from where we stopped last week. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus asked him, how do you read it? The lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Do this, and you will live. See, the thing we notice about this is that the writers of the gospel said, the man came to test Jesus, saying, what must I do? What was his motive? It was a test to see if Jesus was a good teacher, if he knows philosophy, if he knows religion, if he knows the answers to life. And the test was probably to show that he, the scribe, knows more. He has the answers to life. So he asked Jesus. And of course, Jesus answered him. He said, what do you read? You tell me what you know. And he answered. Oh, the law says it. It is in your law. You read it. You know it. So you are educated. What is it? Oh, yeah. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, because he knew it, Jesus then told him, go and do this and you will live. You see, if you know what to do, go and do it and live. The point is this. Jesus had come and was teaching people and he's still teaching us that we cannot live, we cannot enter heaven, you cannot inherit eternal life, everlasting life, By knowing the law and doing the law, because in our own flesh we cannot, so you need a sacrifice. What he's saying is that you owe a debt that is so great to God, it's like owing somebody multi billion dollars, you cannot pay, and somebody has come to pay it for you. And then you're asking, What will I do to be free? You are in prison because you couldn't pay your debt. We are in prison. Satan is tossing us, using us. The world is confused as we are because of our sins. And you're asking, how can I come out of it? And here is a savior teaching and offering you salvation. And you ask him, what can I do to be free, to get out of this prison, to get out of this misery? And he asks you, what does the Lord say? And you answer, okay, if you know that you owe $10 million and you can pay, then pay it and get out of here. Because prison is not meant for you. That is the essence of what is happening here. So Jesus said all of these things. Then go ahead. If you are to love your neighbor as yourself, that alone, if you can do it, do it. Obey, and you live. It is still true. As the songwriter says, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So this man, when he was told, since you know the law, go and do what it says and you will live. The Bible says he sought to justify himself by asking, who is my neighbor? And this is where we look at the part two. Who is my neighbor? The parable of the good Samaritan. He says, "Is a master teacher, classic teacher, a teacher who makes you think that when you wrestle with his words, when you meditate on his word, you have life, you have the gift of life, you have insight, tremendous insight into life. So he tells this parable that has become a worldwide favorite for so many people, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Simply, a parable is a story, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, a story that is told But you can think about it and see what is the lesson? Jesus said, as we know, there was a man who was going to travel, and he chose to travel himself and went through a very dangerous place. Nowadays that we're talking about dangerous places in Ghana, you don't even have to look for them because there are armed robbers who are in all kinds of areas, dark areas, Open areas, crowded areas, sometimes even are so daring that they rob near the police station, police headquarters. What a world we live in. But this man was not like that. He was traveling through some valley and he got himself in trouble. The traveler was, as most people say, he was foolish and irresponsible to be making that journey alone because they would normally travel in groups. But this man was traveling alone. And sure enough, he got what he should have anticipated, what he may have heard can happen. He was robbed. He was beaten. He was left half dead because the thieves would not want to be caught. And then things happened. He talked about the people who came into contact with this injured man who was left to die, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. All of them saw this man, and what was their reaction? Remember, the question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life, everlasting life, life with God? Jesus said, do this and live. And the lawyer's question is, you say I should do what? Love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? Jesus is answering this question, who his neighbor is, who my neighbor is, who your neighbor is, how we are to treat our neighbors. So we see, the first one we are introduced to is a priest, a very godly person, somebody who was possibly rushing off to go and do his religious duties. So he comes here, he's passing by, and he sees the dead body What does he do? Well, the priest walked, looked, and passed by. Why? Because he placed his religious work and ceremony before the welfare of this human being. He was a religious person who knew the rules of his organization. If you touch a person who was sick or dead or dying, It made you unclean for seven days. And therefore, you cannot perform your duty in the temple. The priest was not about to sacrifice his primary work and privilege for this man. No, not for anything. He had not compassion on this man. What was important to him was his work. And the question, he says, "Once you and I to ponder about this is, How many of us do not put our work, even religious work, our busyness, first before even thinking about helping others? How how many of us do not think that our church, our ceremony, our rituals are so important that we do not even think we should take time out to help people who are in need, desperate need? We take our resources and put in a lot of things but we are not too keen on helping people. So the priest passed by. Are you a priest? Then there was a Levite who also placed his own safety before compassion. The Levite was touched with enough feeling. He walked over and looked at the man, but he shrank from helping him because he also feared he may be identified with the robbers or the robbers may be in the neighborhood And they also come and attack him. Thirdly, he felt that he'll be caught as meddling with this person and the troubles of go and come be meaning. Friends, I can empathize and identify with these two people. That is how we live our lives. Incidentally, in our country now, in most parts of the world, most big cities, it is like that. You see people who are injured, and sometimes when you try to be the good Samaritan, using the term that Jesus used, if you try to be that, uh, if you try to be that Levite, you may be identified as a robber, or the robbers may attack you, or you may be going up and down, up and down, as a witness, giving evidence before the police station what you saw. Be interviewed by journalists and all of that. So the man couldn't be bothered. He looked, he saw, he decided to mind his own business. But then here comes our hero, a good Samaritan, Samaritan who was also passing through to go on his business. And it's interesting the kind of thing that Jesus said about this man. The good Samaritan stopped by. He saw. What was happening? This good Samaritan, like I said, this story we've heard it over and over and over again, and you may have you may have even acted it in a play when we were a child, or even acted now because it is a story with incredible lessons for us in life. What was the good thing about this Samaritan? This good Samaritan placed compassion before everything. Everything. His compassion moved him. He wanted, he he loved his neighbor as himself. He probably asked himself the question, if I were in this type of trouble, what would happen? What would I want to see happen? And his answer was probably obvious. I would like somebody to help me. I'd like somebody to help me. Think about it. If you are in trouble, what would you like to see? You want somebody to help you. So, would you help somebody? The good Samaritan placed compassion before his own opinion, his work, his time, his money, his, even his own life. He, he just thought, let me help this person. And he had no reason to help this man, humanly speaking. Because the man who was injured was a Jew. And the Jews and Samaritans were almost considered different races who hated each other. And so that good Samaritan or that Samaritan person had a good reason not to come near this person. You see, we are all human beings made in God's image with flesh and blood. We all feel, we all hurt, we cry, we laugh. We may speak different languages, but we are common humanity. And yet somehow, we divide each other. We mistreat, we maltreat each other. As coming from another tribe, or being this person, or being a slave, or being a house help, or being, you name it, lower class, not well educated. We just find so many ways of showing that people are different from us, or we are superior to them. Yet the good Samaritan had a good sense, a sense of common humanity. He saw that this was a human being who needed help, not as a Jew, not as an enemy, and he was willing to help him. You see, the Jews cursed the Samaritans and didn't want to have anything to do with them. But this man said, no matter who and what I'm supposed to be, This is a fellow human being in desperate need and I will help him. Look at what the Samaritan did. The Samaritan gave up his work, his energy, and his time to help this man. He took a number of steps and we can see them. What steps he took. Each step is significant showing how we are to love our neighbors. First, he went to him. He reached out personally to help him. He went there. We he had anybody traveling with him anyway. Maybe he was in the caravan, but he went there personally to reach out to the person. Secondly, when he went there, he saw that the man was wounded. So he bound his wounds. He probably had all these things for himself, that if I were injured, what would I do? Be prepared. So he Went there to ease the man's pain. Thirdly, he poured oil and wine into the wounds of this person. He gave his own goods. He gave what were known as medicinal in those days, the wine, sanitizer, and all this to bind the wound. Then he did an unbelievable thing. He set this person on his own beast. He sacrificed his own comfort and put the man on. I mean, on his beast, to take him away. That reminds me of one of our lectures. Somebody was asking, what car must a person drive? He said, it's not important what you drive, but it is how you look at that vehicle that you are driving. Some people can be driving the smallest of cars, but they would not want to have anybody. They would not want to help anybody. They will stop to help anybody who is injured because their car will be spoiled. I may see somebody driving a very flashy vehicle, something happens, he stops to take that person. What we are saying here, what we learn about Jesus's hero and our hero is that he set the person on his own beast. He sacrificed his own comfort. Then he took him to a place where he could be nursed and looked after him personally. He did all he could, gave him first aid and took him to the of a hospital, or a clinic, and say, look after this man. You see, what we are learning here is that the time, the energy, and the money that this man had, he was willing to spend it on somebody who was in need, who was helpless. He showed love to his neighbor by putting love into action. And putting love into action, my dear friends, requires time, energy, money, and sometimes even personal risk. Love is not just an idea or a feeling towards God. Yes, you may love God, but if you love God and love your neighbor as yourself, it is the practical acts and the commitment to helping people that show that, yes, truly, you are a neighbor to somebody. Then, let's look at what the Samaritan did. When he took the person to that clinic, that hospital, he gave the owner two denarii. Because these amounts are not our amounts, we don't spend them, it's not CDs, it's not persuasive, it's not dollars, we may not understand. But hear what the commentator said. Two denarii amounted to somewhere between 24 to 48 days of room and board. He paid an amount of money that would have made that person stay in that place for 24 to 48 days whilst he was being taken care of while the man was recovering. And then he said, if it costs more, I will come and I will pay. The good Samaritan saw a desperate need, and he did everything he could do to help this person. Friends, there are some of us, or most of us, young and old, we are bent on accumulating money. Homes, houses, a lot of things. For what? Just to use it to display, to let everybody know you are the richest guy in town. They call you Togbiel, Nanao, manche what na, and you are so, you are so, so proud, but you don't use it to help anybody. You have enough to help a lot, but we don't. The Lord is speaking to us. So what did Jesus tell this man? The Lord's commission to him was forceful. First, Before we even look at the Lord's commission to him. So Jesus asked this lawyer you know, a question. You see, he asked one question. What must I do to inherit everlasting life? Jesus is telling him, okay, you know it. He recited. First one, he said, go, go and do that and live. Then he asked another question. Who then is my neighbor? Well, if you can't answer, The first one, then, who then is your, who is this person's neighbor? And this is what prejudice can do to you. Instead of answering the Samaritan, the man said the one who was helpful to him. He chose to use about six or seven words to describe that Samaritan. Instead of just saying a Samaritan, sometimes we hate people so much, we despise them that we don't even want to mention their names. May the Lord help us see our prejudice. May the Lord touch you so that you will know where your sickness is, the sickness of prejudice, the sickness of hatred, the sickness of unforgiveness, the sickness that is making you so sick that you cannot hear the Lord. That's making you so arrogant, so proud, that you are not receiving the mercy that God has for you. Here is Jesus standing before a man who needed help, who must be cured of his prejudice and his arrogance, who must use his wealth and his learning to help others, but he's not willing to help. Well, Jesus commissions him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Why? Because the answer was clear. If the lawyer wished to have eternal life, then he had to do what he knew. He knew who his neighbor was. It was any person who needs mercy whether a friend or just an acquaintance or even an enemy. And the lawyer was forced to admit this. Did he go and do it? Well, it's not so much about that lawyer, but it's about you and I. We live in a society that has so many needs. We live with people who are so much around us. There's still so much tragedy around us, so much waste around us. But if you are a believer in Jesus, He left you here to be his arm, to be his mouth, to be his leg, to be his disciple, to be a person that somebody will see and follow Christ. It is not easy, but he wants to have you and I as these disciples. If you could not pay your debt, but he paid it for you, what are you willing to do to help others who have a similar need? Will you do that? So that God himself will continue to bless you and bless you and bless you in this world and in the world to come. Enjoy the eternal life that God has for you. If you don't know this Lord as your savior, the one who can transform you, the one who by this parable is telling you that he came down on earth as the good Samaritan to save you from your sin, from the abominable sins you have been committing, He's willing to forgive you because He's the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. He's willing to give you the gift of everlasting life. It's yours for the asking. Will you ask me? Will you tell me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I'm full of pride. I'm full of arrogance. Lord, I'm helpless. Or like that poor man who was attacked, I can't even help myself. If you don't help me, how can I? Move, live. If that is your prayer, and you say this after me, Lord Jesus, today, I give my life to you. Take me, and make me your child. As I read your word from now on, may it speak to me, and may your spirit help me to live, to live for you, now and forevermore. Amen. If we can be of help, contact us at any of the campuses of the Calvary Baptist Church or any Baptist Church or any Bible-believing church. We want you to grow in Him. But let's pause and pray as we listen and meditate on the words of this song. Trust and obey But there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey.
2: When we walk with the Lord In the light of His Word What a glory He sheds on While we do His good will, He abides with us still And with all who will trust and obey Trust and obey, for there's no other way To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey Nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Oh trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust. Trust and obey Oh trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey
1: Sometime again this is Pastor Fred Digby saying, life questions but jesus has the answers stay blessed now and forevermore amen
0: this has been the radio broadcast by calvary baptist church with reverend dr fred Digby, our senior pastor we hope this message blessed you be sure to join us god willing next week the same time and station we are in Adabaka, opposite Mr. Big's restaurant, near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. Also in Shiashi, across the motorway from the Accra Mall and Botiano. Call us on 0243-690-485 or 0302-231-854. Contact us on WhatsApp That's 0200-181. Six eight zero. Visit us online at www.calrybaptistgh.org. Write to us, Calvary Baptist Ghana at yahoo.com.